recording from my apartment in Mumbai. The weather's been beautiful and the lockdown's still ongoing. And you're listening to Bitches Brew, a podcast out every 10 days where we chat about everything under the sun. Today we talk about is free work work. The pandemic has thrown a wrench in a lot of people's plans with layoffs, freelance work coming to a halt, work from home scenarios. People have been taking to cooking or pottery or singing. or dancing and using social media as a way to showcase their skills. We're compelled to think of how the notion of work is changing during this time. What does work mean when you're not being paid for it? Where do you draw the line between passion and money? At a time where financial uncertainty is at its peak, does it make sense to pursue personal projects that don't pay immediately? Is life just about making a living versus actually living? These are some questions we try to answer in this episode. So this week we're talking about is free work work. What do you think? You know, for a better part of my life, I've always done commissioned work, but I've always also constantly done my own thing on the side. And more often than not, especially when I was like in my early to mid twenties, that definitely didn't pay. But weirdly enough, it was never to deter me from not doing it. And of course, like in that, I completely acknowledge my privilege. uh in the sense that i completely had my parents support at least in my early 20s but then i just found a way to save and live really cheaply even in big cities so because very early i just intuitively understood that in india especially because there's such little government support for artists uh if i am going to not be a slave to every commissioned project i need to find a very cheap way to live so that i can also pursue and make my own things on the side Very recently, I had actually signed on sort of this project with somebody big industry, wherein uh, she, you know, I was on a call with her, and she's quite well respected. And then she was just like, you know, how old are you? So I was like, oh, I'm 28. And she's like, oh, so you're a baby then? And okay, sure, she's like 50, so maybe compared to her, I am a baby. But it was still a strange thing to hear. And I was like, you know, I just nodded along because, like, what else are you supposed to do? And then she's like, yeah, you know, experience is relative, and. that really stayed with me uh because not just for the fact that she basically used that as an excuse to pay me nothing but also because i started thinking about it and i was like you know what experience is extremely relative and i think quite often we completely forget that i mean especially in this industry experience has everything to do with who you've worked with and not necessarily what the quality of that experience was right So I remember when I first came in I had had I mean a reasonable amount of experience in different things which to me counted as work experience because it it was yeah. something that did contribute to how I approached work and there were a lot of things that I took from those experiences and used in my current work but when I first came here and I remember meeting this producer and she looked me up and down and she was like so what experience have you had and i told her and then she was like oh so basically nothing and to me that was just like wow okay so what does experience really mean and then of course after spending some time here i started to understand what people here in this industry mean by experience and i started working as a da and now working as a da in ads and working as a da feature film very different experiences especially monetarily right and i remember finding out that da's who work for like this really big production house make like 10k a month or something and i was just like how the hell does somebody survive on that and i remember arguing with the producer about it and i was like i mean that's inhumane like how do you expect somebody to survive on that and by doing that you're immediately sort of whittling down the number of candidates who can apply because the people who can apply are people who live in bombay who don't have to pay rent who come from certain countries right like you have to come from privilege to be able to have that job because you can't survive otherwise he was like yeah sure but you know 
in any case, like these directors only hire people they know. And, you know, you're, you're basically paying for experience. So I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, you know, as a DA, you get to interact with the who's who of the industry. You find out the inner workings of everything. It's basically like being paid to go to film school. And I was like, well, I mean, sure, that's true. But there's a very thin line, right? Because, okay, you're being paid to go to film school, but you're also somebody's slave, effectively. (laughs) No, but that's the thing. I don't think it's like film school at all. Like you and I have actually been to film school. So we actually know this. I understand that aspect of getting to interact with the who's who of the industry. But I mean, in a larger sense, I hardly even believe in that. Like, I think if you're setting out to be a writer or a director or an actor, the only thing that should speak for you is your work. And maybe that is too idealistic and networking is definitely a part of it. But the idea of climbing ranks when applied to our industry or the artistic community feels a little hollow the way people older to us or with the money or the producers look at it. I know a lot of people our age who've done really good work. So, and, and, you know, they've managed to make us decent amount of money with that. Also, like, what is the yardstick for success, right? Like the yardstick is only when you've amassed as much wealth as like Amitabh Bachchan or Shah Rukh Khan, or just having a decent place to live in and having three good square meals a day is while doing something you love also a yardstick for success, right? Because for me, it's the latter. And this also think, makes me think of just generally having like a better relationship with money, you know, in the sense that most artistic people or most people in the arts definitely hesitate to ask for their due, you know, because you always assume that the opportunity is great and therefore we just automatically settle for less. And in that, not only do we like ruin it for ourselves naturally, because the lesser you start at, the lesser uh, leverage you'll have later to demand for more. But we also ruin it for that category of people in the industry. Or every time somebody does something for free, they're actually making things work for the category or the community that they're a part of. And art really can't function in like isolation. Like beyond a point, you do need a community to sort of sustain yourself and thrive. And as far as the whole film school thing is concerned... I don't think it's like film school at all because in film school, you're your own person. You know, you're not really answerable to anybody, least of all a boss. Like, and the things you make have your name on it. That goes a long way. And the kind of learning on job as well. Like we directed six films in one year. That I feel taught me so much more than just being a DA on an ad film shoot in Bombay where everything is anyway extremely formulaic. Like, even when the directors are trying to break out of that formulaic system, they're unable to because the clients just have, like, zero vision, usually, you know, unless you're, like, a really well-respected director and then the client can't say much. That's another thing. With this job, I realized, I mean, okay, there's the perk of actually working on beautiful film and a great production and a great director and all of those things, sure. But after a point, it's like, where does their life end and my life begin. It starts to kind of blur together where I have to sort of know this person's life in and out and disregard my own health and my own concerns. Like for me, of course, I had some serious health issues where I had to kind of put my foot down and say, you know, like I'm dealing with this. And the people in my production were really, really understanding about it and really sweet. But I have heard cases where that's not how it is, where if you were to sort of step away because of personal concerns, you were fired, you'd lose your job. For me personally, I think it it sort of depends on the position I'm playing in that project. And it's not an ego thing. It's just about how much am I able to contribute? So am I going to be a second AD on a really big feature film set for no money, even if it's one of the biggest directors? No, probably not. Not at this point in my career. I would rather make like 10 shitty indies, get that out of my system, find my own learning groove and learning curve and like be broke for another 10 years than do that. But that's just how I think. I know a lot of people consider that to also be the right way and that's on them. But you know, I'll give you a small example. Like in the West, if you want to be a director, you're just a director. You get up, you start pitching, You wait for a project to come through and you direct. You know, you don't start assisting in the hope that one day you'll get to direct. It's also a bit sad because I think it definitely reflects on this overall 
sort of overt obedience we have towards hierarchy and how that's always used as a, a threshold of somebody's ability you know like it's not really entirely about how good you are at your work but it's about like loyalty and how well you can carry out an order which is not very different from a corporate setup like if that's the kind of life i wanted i would just do a corporate setup because at least that comes with actual perks you don't necessarily become a good director because you were a good da you can get stuck doing this low level job for the rest of your life if you don't really have the vision or the tenacity to sort of want to do your own thing which takes a great deal of risk taking right you have to sort of jump into it i mean that again begs the question is it okay to do work for no money if that means that you as a person are growing like i don't know in the short term doing this makes sense because there's a sort of catharsis attached to it you know you're on a big set you're doing things and you're like making things happen and you're earning whatever little amount of money but in the long term i don't really know what it points to i'm not deriding the work of assistant directors like if i was directing i would just rather have an ad who wants to be an ad instead of somebody who's looking to be a director and unfortunately that's just hardly ever the case in india and again it, it's more of like a structural problem right because that's just how everything is approached in india and you know you said earlier that your the director you spoke to or you know the producer you spoke to said that the director only likes to work with people he or she has worked with before and it's the same thing i hear as a writer as well you know it's like before they've even seen my work they only want to work with somebody they've worked with before and how is that any different from nepotism or cliqueism because if you're not willing to branch out i've also had sort of producers that very blindly will hire like an all men team to pen a show with just women i mean that's not really a new practice it's been happening i mean this one director actually did tell me this where she was just like you know you really need to evaluate how great an opportunity is because sometimes opportunities seem really good but that isn't really the case ever kind of like boils down to the whole climbing up the ranks versus self belief like i don't want to sound all like silicon valley entrepreneur on this but i do think that if there is a certain amount of self belief it will be easier to draw boundaries i think that's an interesting observation where really a lot of the times when you're working for less money or you're working for free you're relinquishing power you really are it sounds strange because you would think that okay if you had commission work if you're being paid for something that you have less power because you're answerable to somebody but no you have something that's transactional right you can say if you don't pay me i'm not doing my work that's it but in a scenario where you're working for free or you're working for less for the experience you do feel sort of like you owe this person something for this opportunity and you don't defend yourself as much you don't stand up for yourself as much you don't value yourself as much exactly and not just that but it's it's a bit a bit of like a vicious cycle it's like every time you do settle for lesser and lesser i feel like the lesser you tend to fight for yourself i think the most powerful thing i learned to do even though like everybody ever who was slightly older to me in the industry was like just say yes to whatever work comes your way you're just starting out everything is an opportunity like if i had nothing to offer and and you know like everything that was coming my way was i should be deeply grateful for it or something which i am but at the same time like i think the most powerful thing i learned to do was to say no you know because what was happening was that i would say yes to these projects at a very low cost that would essentially make me end up hating myself when i was in the middle of it and then i would start acting out in like almost subliminal passive aggressive ways with the client which is never a good look in any case you know what i mean it's like if you know a project is going to end up in that way you may as well not do it i've lost like multiple projects because of quoting my price and not budging from it but honestly i don't care like if that's the price you pay for having self respect in an industry that you know that really makes money of you not having any i'm okay with it <laughs> like a lot of us as artists have this kind of imposter syndrome it it takes time like i know that i'm still working in a job but the thing is i'm like super grateful for this job and i love this job despite what it took out of me 
because the people that I was working with were respectful of my boundaries. And that had a lot to do with me clearly saying like, okay, like this is what I want. But then I would venture to say that if I was younger or of less privilege or I came off differently, I might not have been offered that. So many factors really when it comes to justifying free work. You know, like if you're working for like a loved one or you're working for a friend and you're doing them a favor, that's one thing. But this whole thing about like free work and exchange of opportunity, hmm, I mean, it's, it's a tough one. On that note, I think we should bring in a couple of guests just to discuss this idea a little further and see what they think. We have some really interesting guests lined up for you this time. People ranging from actors to independent writers, people who own their own magazines. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting conversation for sure. Um, hi, everyone. We have Tanmay Dhananya with us right now. And he's an actor, a theater, film, both. But before I say anything else, I'm going to switch it back to him to let him introduce himself. Hi. Uh, yeah, I'm Tanmay and uh, I am an actor. Uh, I don't know how else to introduce myself or what else to say at this point. <laughs> but uh, I love what I do. And I do theater, film and television as well. And also I make work as well. Everyone, we've got Anurag now. He is a photographer he also dabbles in a lot of other things, but I'll, you know, let him talk about it. And he is, he's somebody I've known for a while, actually, since we were like 18, technically. But I've really seen him like blossom and come into his own, uh, you know, ever since I moved to Bombay. And it's really nice to see somebody like do really well while maintaining their artistic integrity, uh, especially when you've known them as basically when you guys were like teenagers, right? So welcome, Anurag. Thanks for coming on Witches Brew. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, guys. Really good to be here. Um, Anra, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, so I am an independent photographer. I'm based out of Bombay. I am from Shillong. Um, I, yeah, I don't know what else to add to that. I think I see myself as just that. And right. I, I let other people make their decisions about me, about my work, etc. We wanted to talk to you a little bit about, as we were, you know, chatting off the record as well, what is the artistic process for you in terms of you, the work that you create and how does it tie into the money-making aspect of it? Because we all know um, the two things can be highly incompatible, you know, sometimes. So as an artist or as an actor, uh, I let's take an artist. I think, like, I think let's put it in this wider category of an artist rather than just an actor, because actors, especially in our country, have different connotations as well. So mm. for artists, uh, I think it's important to be sustainable through your art. Uh, and sustainable means you have to sustain yourself as well. If you're not sustaining yourself through your art or, say, your acting or whatever, then I don't think you should or you can call yourself an artist or an actor because then it's a hobby. Then you're making money through something else and then you're... Uh, putting that into uh, your your hobby, which is fine. I like, I have hobbies as well. Like I play the flute, but I'm not a flautist. Like I have mm. to like sustain myself through that, through music, for example, to be called a musician. I've sustained right. myself through my painting to be called a painter. I think that is mm. important. Not just because to create this sort of uh, space of like, we are the chosen few or whatever, but to mm. give people... Who are like, for example, the work I do and I've always tried to do is very experimental, is very mm. sort of on the edge. I want to always, I'm very dissatisfied if I'm not breaking the mold. I, I want to like try new things. Uh, but what I realize is that if I also at the same time don't sustain myself through my craft, then young people who want to sort of work like I do will be part and they'll be like, okay, he could do it because he had privilege, because he had money from other sources. So, I mean, as you said, you're based in Bombay too. So you very well know what life in Bombay is like and how uh, challenging it is to sustain a life in a place like Bombay um, with its rents, with its costs of living, etc. Um, so pretty early on, actually, I think just the kind of 
uh, way my my career path sort of started and took its course i i when i moved to bombay after college i started work as a photographer as, at this magazine called time out mumbai which uh, eventually shut down which is which well which is the state of print right now everywhere right and post that to kind of make ends meet i was and because at uh, at time out we used to do a wide um wide array of photography uh, spanning across genres be it lifestyle portraiture city photography food and drinks and that's essentially the, on the job is where i learned uh something like food pretty early on i realized that uh there's definitely two facets to the photography that i do one yeah. of course is my personal work and that is where i realized that photography is the primary um medium through which i can express myself and the other facet to photography um to to the work that i do is obviously re- realizing that it's also a service that i that i have the skills set to provide to a certain client for example so i think it's important to like almost find that balance for sure i think it's very very important to be able to do many many things and for actors especially in our country like there is not a lot of good work which will give you good money as well like literally 90 to 95% of the work that you get here is trash so it the, the money it works so then you have to uh, obviously have your your pursuit of the truth your pursuit of art of work the way you think about it and what you want to say uh, and you have to do that yourself and you don't make much money out of it for sure uh and i i was lucky when i first came here because i was still doing television in the uk which uh, giving me a lot of money and it still gives me royalties and stuff which is a, something we spoke about earlier where uh that's just not a factor in india like royalties is not understood and it's not something that people talk about also we don't get any funding from the government at all as artists so can become a very easily it can become like just people who are privileged already or people who just totally make that trash kind of work you know who sort of can do themselves so within that space i think it's important to also create a space which is what i've tried to do for myself but also for others where you can pursue your art you can pursue things you can innovate you can make new things but at the same time you can sustain yourself i also wanted to sort of move a little bit away from the industry and just look at work in general and like art in general across verticals versus making money and uh talk a little bit about like how social media plays a role in it or like how far does marketing go you know like making art versus the actual artistic lifestyle like what are the differences between it so for me if i am living a life on a budget which i constantly am because i just want to do the things i love and i know a lot of people in india are going to be like oh wait that's so spoiled but it's actually not because i've figured out a way where i don't need to spend that much money so i would say thrift or wear only second hand clothes or not stay in a fancy place and pay really less rent but in bombay things like a fancy house or a certain kind of thing that you wear like for example if you go to soho house speaks more about you than your work it's so much about this quote unquote lifestyle that you're trying to present than anything you've done but that's the thing art in india is such an elitist venture and that in itself is so problematic i know that art has always kind of been an elitist venture because you have to live this kind of impoverished romantic lifestyle um and that's not necessarily possible unless you have somebody kind of you know sponsoring your poverty but in bombay that's even more so you know if you want to be a popular artist if you want to be a successful artist you have to be rich to begin with because yeah. not only do you have to put yourself out there on social media in a way that is seen as cool in order to get more work you also have to be able to do a lot of these collabs and you know well, essentially free work to put yourself out there and in order to be able to sustain that you have to come from wealth being a photographer right now is also reconciling with a lot of hard facts um number one i remember like my entry point to photography was someone like a uh, raghurai uh, you know mm. um 
but that's a wholly different generation and also not just raghura also like magazines and newspapers and things like that there was still not not so much in 2013 but still way more than now that you could see these uh, vast photo spreads in magazine and things like that so you yeah. aspire to see your byline in a magazine for instance um see mm. your work in print and that is one of the motivations to become a photographer or at least was now mm. that has changed drastically with the with the slow death which is not so not so slow anymore <laughs> of print media yeah. mm. um so i guess that changes you know so right now i i, I mean there are not many magazines that my work is featured in for uh, for instance mm. um but living in a place like bombay it's mm. also a place where you can do a lot of commercial work so that is something that i had to kind of adapt to very quickly yeah and also when you have rent mm. to pay and bills to take care of mm. you know when you really feel that pressure you kind of do what's what comes your way you know yeah yeah and uh, i i actually don't regret that because it's kind of uh put a certain rigor inside me to know mm. that okay if of i can figure my way out and do what mm. i need to do to pay one's rent you know and mm. um honestly in bombay that's that it, that is a that is a decent amount to kind of take care of i do think that as an artist you have to lead an austere life a frugal life like you know like you didn't want luxury uh if you do i don't judge you that's fine then you then if you want luxury and you want to do certain things i have plenty of friends who are actors who pursue that then and they do the things that they need to do to make a lot of money to like live the kind of life they want to lead uh but uh, if you want to really be true to your work in some ways and true to the truth in some ways i'm not saying you to be a social activist but you have to at least live the life of what i call a worker uh my time in the uk when i was training as an actor taught me that the uk actors think of themselves as part of the working economy and that is important for us to understand i don't think we should as artists or as actors we shouldn't uh just assume that okay we our job is to just explode on stage and like entertain people or what not we are workers our job is to be interlocutors we live on the edge of society we are saying something about society we are taking in things in from what society is giving us and then trying to express ourselves which is taking society forward in a way so there is a job we are doing yeah but to be honest like having lived in multiple cities my in my life i don't really think bombay is like the zenith of artistic work in any capacity like i have seen better artistic work whether it's terms of music or film um or even literature coming from smaller towns and regions across india whether it's the northeast or down south or even yeah even delhi to a large extent especially where literature is concerned way more than i seen it in bombay there are pockets in bombay which are largely quite independent and quite married to quality and not so much the money making aspect of it but purely because the city is so expensive and demands so much out of you in terms of just having like a decent place to live in with ample sunlight you know and fresh air that you feel compelled to make that much money like we've normalized such fucked up things here that really don't correlate to the artistic or the creative process at all people approach art wrong in general in this country where it's seen as something that is meant to be catering to the masses rather than creating an entirely new perspective and we just don't do that anymore like with a lot of things that i'm writing for example like i've had to sort of change them to cater more to what the producer says is popular now because of the bottom line and that makes no sense to me because we went in with a completely different vision this is how you lose a really good concept because if you as a writer or a creator stop feeling for it and if it doesn't resonate with you anymore and you start feeling a certain amount of like oh this is not what i had intended it's going to reflect in the writing it's going to reflect in the work it's it's very much had an impact on my personal work is the aspect of living in bombay and when when we talk about the thing about rigor and uh, mm. commercial that having an impact 
I try to use I try it's it's a thin line uh, mm. because you'd ideally not want one to impact the other but mm. there are certain things that I bring into my personal work which I I have learned into uh, uh, learned from my commercial work for instance yeah yeah see um say for instance my say I I I have to do a corporate portraiture and I have to use lights for that in a certain way these are these are things that one has to pick up on the job or or rather i've had to pick up on the job and so i've always thought about okay uh, this is a new technique technique that i'm trying for a particular job that requires me to pick up this technique how can i also u- utilize that when i am you know shooting for myself mm. so i tried to bring that in but obviously like you you still want you still want your personal work to to not let your language be totally impacted by what you do the quandary comes with people who want to again at least like me who like want to innovate who want to make new things who want to express themselves as artists who want to uh be like no i'm not satisfied with either of those choices and you find a middle space which again in our country like what we were talking about earlier doesn't exist either you're you're a have or you're a have not you know either it's everything or nothing like you know you don't get this middle space but it's our job to make that middle space and that's what i've tried to do over the last few years here as well to like you know find a path where i can do both things i also do think that you know to a large extent it's also important to ask like how bad do you want something and i know this is a slightly unpopular opinion because it again keeps the onus on the person creating but for me personally this really helps me to just check in with myself how much is what i'm doing currently going to add in terms of enrichment to my life or not people can sort of appreciate you for what you have to offer and then you know what you're bringing to the table so then you sort of have this new way of looking at your own value as a creative individual and what you can offer rather than just having the job because you got you had some connections and you know it's a fair on merit i feel like the pandemic has in so many ways made things worse because i've had people get in touch with me and quote like ridiculous rates for shoots you know uh which very much involve me actively putting myself at risk and it's not like they're going to cover my medical expenses right that's not going to happen so and i and then i've like quoted back saying that listen if you're going to quote covid rates then so am i and that's been the end of that conversation <laughs> people expect you to quote less during time like this and that to me is bizarre why would i quote less when i'm putting myself at risk when i don't have that much work coming in when i need money now more than ever but that's always the case man i can't even tell you the number of times i've had this conversation with people they're like oh you know i just don't have that much money i and i'm like then don't do it earlier i've said yes i've done a bunch of projects for money that i really shouldn't have done it for but i've never had it in me to turn around and be like then maybe you shouldn't be employing people right like if you don't have the money just do it yourself it's not like we're friends what am i getting out of this and you know all this sort of ties into this whole free work epidemic that we're seeing because by kind of lowering your standards like that what happens is that people think that they can get away with more and more if you're looking at anything from like not upholding a contract to sexual harassment where people are just like you know my value is so low that if i call this person out i'm further diminishing my value and there are no avenues where you can there's no like hr department where you can be like bro like this happened to me take care of it it doesn't exist in the world for an artistic realm it just doesn't so how do you address these malpractices and i think a lot of it starts from saying i will not work for free value me as an individual <laughs> like for me that's a big thing. i mean it's one thing working with your friends for free or collaborating on a project that is yours for free like that's different with big corporations or big directors or whoever for free like that to me is baffling it just opens the doors to so much exploitation uh, one of the first feature projects that i did i practically worked for free like i worked for 3 months and i got paid 25k for 3 months 
work. And I got that job because of my connections. And so that kind of was held over me the whole time. That's what baffles me that I'm hardly ever going to attach that much value to getting something through your connections because as you rightly said that's all you'll be you know you'll never be looked at with the same kind of respect even if you're good by the way as somebody who made it there on their own i'm not against using connections like i do think that if you have them use them to whatever extent you have to but i think being conscious of how far that can actually take you and how the rest of it can be a little like illusionary is also important I mean, there were multiple factors. The fact that, you know, I was new and getting paid barely anything, that I got this job because of connections and therefore had very little power to say, okay, this is the value that I'm bringing to the table. A lot of that, again, opened doors for like a lot of exploitation and a lot of people behaving inappropriately towards me and then not taking my complaints seriously. And it was just such an unpleasant experience that for me, I was like, I'm never working in that particular industry ever again. It was harrowing, you know, as a woman, the kind of harassment that I went through and how my connections sort of almost encouraged that behavior towards me because like, we'll show her, you know, I don't know if that extends to men. I feel like when men work for free in this industry because of this whole genius bias thing, it worked differently, especially if they come from privilege compared to a lot of women. Standards are very different. The idea of boys club is extremely real. I mean, you know, sometimes I discuss the kind of sexism that exists in the film industry with some friends of mine who are like, say, in law, corporate law or in uh, journalism or development. And they're just like shocked because at, on the face of it, it seems to be such a progressive industry and it it is truly such a trendsetter for so many things that happen in this country. It's sad that behind the scenes, that is the reality, right? Like, why would you not raise your voice? Art cannot be such a selfish endeavor in the sense that it's only as relevant as like the social political construct it exists in. Which is why, like, for me personally, again, keeping my sanity through all this what really helps is having an identity outside my artistic profession. You know, like knowing that what I'm creating is not in tandem with my actual worth. Like I could sit on my ass and not create anything for three months because I'm going through something and I'll still have as much worth as somebody who's put out like three films. Totally. Uh, I think that's very important for sure what you said. I think uh, time away and space away and a sabbatical from the work itself is very, very important. I was lucky enough to have three years of training at RADA in London, which was a very difficult time for me. But at the same time, that gave me that space to really explore myself. And uh, again, the lockdown, that's what happened. The first month, there were no auditions and things. So I could just focus on myself. But I also, yeah, the other work that I do, I don't really know how to explain it or define it. But I think in one phrase, if I had to sort of talk about it, like I work through my body in order to find truth. Like, you know, to try find the most truthful uh, thing that I can. I mean, that's a quest for me. I think most artists have a quest to find what the truth is. So for me, I use my body a lot. So again, the work that I do with it or through it or the way I express myself, even in my independent films, I, I cherish that. I cherish that work. I like that time with myself where I'm working with, a body in space, but also putting myself in in a societal in, in a societal structure, for example. I think this I'm trying. I've been trying to do this over the past year, definitely over the past few months, is to be a little easy on myself. So, I mean, it's it's also part of living in a place like Bombay that you end up putting deadlines to yourself to things that you're doing. And I've always had that, you know, like, oh, by 30, I should do this. By 25, I should have been, I should have done this. But I'm really realizing that uh, it's okay to take time, you know. So as of now, if I were to, like, assess my work in that regard, I would say I'm, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not really happy or dejected by, um, with with my, with the work that I've done so far, it, it 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 just is what it is, you know. What's your take on working for free? Oh no, absolutely not. 
no chance um having said that of course uh there are some places where i'd make an exception i mean the only times is i i don't even know i can't even give you an example i mean sometimes you you maybe an ngo or something but actually no no it's just you know we've had to do it as photographers i've worked for free i've worked for really peanuts i remember i used to work at uh, i was doing um, some freelance assignments for hindustan times this mm-hmm. was back 2015 and they would pay me 500 rupees for a photo oh my gosh uh, and 500 rupees for a photo that is published and if mm. it's not published then you get 500 rupees uh, 500 rupees for the assignment in total and wow it's crazy it's dismal dismal rates but that's those are the rates across newspapers and magazines it's quite dismal but mm-hmm. uh, yeah right now i just i just wouldn't do it it's not we are doing it ourselves we are doing it it's literally like if you go to a market again like it's again think of market economics and like working the working gig economy okay you go to satmla market to buy mangoes if one guy is selling mangoes for 140 rupees a kilo and the other guy is selling 120 rupees a kilo the 140 rupee guy will go and beat up the 120 rupee guy ki why are you fucking slashing the rates you're like you know doing a disservice because he sell more mangoes the 120 rupee guy is doing something which is wrong is incorrect but as actors we do it to, to each other all the time we like in order to get it off we like slash our rates we do it like you know we like and people say it's is democratic and i think it's bullshit it's not democratic it's actually like a cankerous thing which is destroying the industry so it it is a very warped industry in that respect and like also your worth is totally what you make your worth to be and it, there should be like some parity and there should be some way of working these things out it's difficult because again you can't like you can't say an actor is a mango for sure but uh, you have to find a way where you know you know the times when you're undercutting somebody you know that like when you're what you're doing and there are plenty of privileged actors actually who do that who have money who parents have put their money in and they pay people to cast them now and it's it, yeah it's a it's a full business like there's people who will pay like lakhs and lakhs of money to these coordinators to put them in television shows i mean the art world in particular whether you're a designer whether you're a filmmaker has this tendency to sort of diminish someone's worth as a human being to such an extent that you have to see that person hit a rock bottom for their struggle to have been worth it that whole idea is baffling to me like why do we want to see people destroy themselves for something maybe claw their way to the top with all of that baggage where they then dispense the same kind of exploitative tendencies to people under them that is actively encouraged in this business and especially towards women i mean i don't know why but i see that happen a lot the thing i want to address especially when it comes to work and artistic endeavors is like a lot you know i remember re- uh, looking at this ted talk where this woman was talking about being a multi potentialite and it resonated so much with me because what i constantly heard coming into this industry is like you have to settle on one thing like you have to know what you want you have to either want to be an actor or a writer or a director you cannot want all three things we don't have that culture in india where you can see somebody as a multidisciplinarian multi hyphenate person and still think of them as an expert and think of them as really good at what they do exactly and that's that's the thing right like even when i first moved to bombay i remember my dad tried to get me somebody senior to talk to me about like what i wanted to do etc so i had a little chat with him and he was a man obviously and he was just like you know what is it that you want to do or what is it that you do and i'm like well i write and i direct uh and he was like yeah but you can't do both obviously you have to pick one and i was like okay sure if you insist and i'm like super young and i'm right out of college so i'm quite unsure i don't really know what's happening but i don't think that's the case at all like i don't i see the merit in committing yourself to one craft and seeing it to its end i see the merit in that definitely but i don't think there's any less merit in being a part of multiple disciplines and trying to crack and understand multiple disciplines 
I think there is a commitment required to one thing for sure, but you can do anything you want through that thing. So that's why, like for me, I think I I still identify mostly as an actor, but I am shifting again. I'm going through a period of change, and I have been for a few years, where uh, I want to identify more as an artist, uh, not because of any other reason, but because again to like justify. the thought processes that i am talking about you know and and that also will free me up in many ways to explore other avenues but again as i said earlier it's important to sustain myself in that way as well so i think i guess the the line the dividing line will be either the work that i do be considered art so for example cat six can be considered art maybe or that i actually start getting grants as an artist to pursue my work so so this radar thing that i got i was i got a grant as an artist to make a play so again there are i think these barriers you can break down these barriers but especially as an actor i think you have to commit i feel you have to commit because a lot of young actors like ask me this question nowadays and they like yeah but i want to do some this some that i'm like but if you want to act properly then at least spend a year doing that just that and and stop because it's part of it when you're acting people think it's just about learning lines and saying it there's a lot of stuff that you'll do yeah i don't know i just feel like i've not subscribed to these notions for so long and a lot of people have like people who mean really well by the way people who are friends and i know they want the best for me have tried to call me out by just sort of saying that oh you know you're too elitist you're still harboring film school notions you're sitting on a pedestal uh but for whatever reason whether i'm stubborn or stupid i've not really managed to like subscribe to any of these notions that the industry tends to subscribe to uh, and um, t- technically it's only been 3 years in bombay so let's see how it goes it might just i don't know for i just I might just fall flat on my face and i might just blow up in my face but honestly i i just take that like as opposed to completely trading in my self respect for like nothing essentially you know <laughs> see the thing is that freelancing kind of um happened i i just went with it you mm. know as i said like jobs especially in photography have always been scarce right and i did begin freelancing they mm. it was less scarce so i um initially you know that first stage when timeout ended so after timeout ended i did a short stint with this uh, festival in goa called the sensorium then mm-hmm. i had a short stint at housing.com which was <laughs> which was <laughs> different um, <laughs> right yeah and after that is when i started freelancing properly and right. uh, th- that first process is kind of really gutting you know because you're writing to all these pr people i was writing some 10 12 mails a day saying hey mm. i'm a photographer based in bombay here's a link to my work do you need a shoot back and yeah. for a while you're like fuck what am i doing um is this what i'm supposed to be doing this is why i became a photographer but you know you 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 have to put in the time it's yeah it's only then you have to put your name out there how how else do you get work i mean people can't just know that okay there is a photographer you really have to kind of put your name out there say that yes i am available for for shoots i am i can do uh, your food photography or i can do a portraiture i can shoot your interiors and so once that process that initial stage was a little bit uh, of a hurdle to get past mm-hmm. once that was done i was um i was all right kind of doing my freelance work because every once in a while it's extremely rare my god it's so rare to to come across an assignment which you are invested in and it mm. also pays well but uh, again uh, the thing i said about putting in your time mm. that's so crucial right like you put in your time now after almost 5 years of freelancing mm. i can now that i'm at a stage where i i can sometimes well now the pandemic is come and well no one's had any work so that's gone out the window but before that i could mm. say that you know i'm at a stage where i can pick and choose my assignments mm. that's another yeah. Yeah. i mean that's uh, that we were discussing about how we also have this culture of encouraging people to kind of burn out and mm-hmm. that's what we see as like a dedication to a craft if you sort of burn mm-hmm. yourself out and struggle and struggle and struggle 
And I mean, is that something that you found yourself doing? Yeah, definitely. Um, a year or so back, a couple of years back, I was just like, you know, like I would really stress out if I'm not making work and like I would like really uh, drive myself to the brink and give myself a lot of shit for not making work or just be self-critical or harsh on myself. But again, like with with time, I'm learning that it's it's really all right, you know, to, to slow down sometimes, to take some time for yourself. And I think it's also the... It's also, um, it comes with a certain secure, security that you have on your craft um, mm-hmm. in that you are somewhere secure of your work or the kind of work mm-hmm. that you can use. Yeah. I think so. I think a huge turning point for me was last year when I published my book. And mm-hmm. these were... These were 50 handmade photo books, which my friend Gareth and I, he did his book, I did my book. And we both gave it out for free. And this was a hugely, hugely liberating exercise to be able to kind of put this work out in that way. And honestly, if I were to look back, that has been a huge turning point for me. It's almost like um, a restart, like, or, or a start of my career, so to say. Where mm. I can look at things to say that it's it's all right to take your time, you know, mm. and it's it's really okay to slow down. And you're right, like we we do kind of encourage this burnout culture, and we we see the effects of it. I mean, so many so many of us people um, our age are dealing with mental health problems, and yeah. a lot of it is to do directly with this with this culture that we are all a part of. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. I think at the crux of all of this is empathy. And I think it's deeply lacking in our society at this moment. And I mean, it goes to even uh, posturing your own value as a person, right? Like when you work for free, for example, or you work for an opportunity, you have to sort of take that empathy for granted. And a lot of us do, and we get taken advantage of. Uh, it's, it's important to remember that that's really at the heart of what we're doing. I want to thank Anurag and Tanmay for coming on board and giving us their time and very valuable insights. And it's guests like you that make this a possibility and make things more interesting for our audience. So thank you so much for coming on board and for making time for us. Stay tuned for part two of episode two, where we discuss taking a leap of faith negotiating crisis and what it means to follow your own path.